Hello. No, that's okay. Go ahead and sing it. I heard you <laughs> starting to sing it. I was just humming, you know, humming. For those of you at home, I'm about a, I'm, I'm running the board and I'm like a foot away from it. So I have to step back up to it, you know, so I'm, I'm doing the thing. So that was that little pause there. But I don't think that harmed anything no, because let it we breathe. got to hear the dulcet tones of Pastor Dave Berge. And this is Like Trees Walking. This is a podcast where the aforementioned Pastor Dave Berge and I... Or, and me? And me. Me. I think in me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and me is uh, Michael J. Nelson. I am one of his parishioners. I attend his church in beautiful uh, South Minneapolis. Yeah, South Minneapolis, Minnesota. Yeah. Uh, every week he gets up, uh, or nearly every week, when he's not vacationing at undisclosed locations, which he rarely does. I he is did. the hardest working pastor in show business. I'm in the pulpit a lot. He's the true. James Brown of uh, preaching. But I'm looking forward to not... I'm, I, we got an associate pastor, so I'm looking forward to a few more breaks. Yes. And so what this year. podcast is, is Pastor Dave and I get in front of a microphone and we speak into them and we talk about the things in life that matter. Now, what we think matters is, um, you know, what is our place on earth? What is our purpose? Is there a purpose? Are we just particles? Or is there a divine creator of the universe who we have to confront? Uh, the hint here is yes. Yeah. Since we are Orthodox Christians, we'll be upfront about it. We believe that there is a God who created the universe, and he has certain things to say about our behavior. He has certain things to say about the end of man, eschatology. Oh, yeah. Heck, we'll even we get into eschatology. Yeah. We should. Point. We've got to do an eschatology <laughs> episode. Uh, <laughs> what is the chief end of man? Man's chief end is to glorify God. And to enjoy enjoy him forever. Uh, yes, we are, you know, uh, creedal creedal Christians. Uh, not necessarily cradle, but creedal. <laughs> yes. I hear uh, that. Okay, that's a pastor joke. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> I made a doozy yesterday. One of uh, can I just I, I I need to back up for this mm-hmm. because it was so it was so cool when when I was a fairly early Christian went to a Presbyterian church and did their you know education hour. And there was a lay person got up to teach, and he uh, he started to say the uh, you know the and, and as we all know, what is the chief end of man? And he was this like stentorian old guy, and he started to say the words, and his just his eyes filled with tears as he choked them mm-hmm. out, like is too. And he and he did it. He got through it, but I was so touched by it. It was so lovely, like that that entered his heart so much. Yeah. He it was he held it so closely and believed it so much. Anyway, we need to look that up at some point for those people out there who don't know what we're talking about. What is that, Dave? Oh, that's from the uh, Westminster shorter, uh, shorter catechism. Shorter catechism. So, um, <laughs> which it was came out in the oh, you know the mid sixteen hundreds. This was um, when this this was a brief point in time when the Scottish Church. Um, because of various political alliances of the day, like they got to write this catechism. These were going to, the Westminster standards were going to be the standards uh, for Christianity in England, um, you know, and Scotland. And it, and it, it, it took root in Scotland for sure. Um, those remain the standards of the, of the Scottish Kirk, uh, as they call it for a long, long time. Never, uh, even though it was approved by parliament in England, never, never, never took off the, the Cromwell, you know, they all got thrown out and the church of England was right. reestablished. And right. 
the rest is history, but still a beautiful, you know, this is the first question and answer. So this is what you're supposed to teach your children. And the first question is, what is the chief end of man? You know, what are we here for? And the answer, glorify God, enjoy God forever. Beautiful, beautiful answer. Short, simple. I think first thing, yes. Hang your hat on that. Yeah. You know, it's very lovely. That's the kind of sizzle that we bring here at Like Trees Walking. We, uh, We talk about the big issues of life and we mess around a little bit and hopefully try to have a little fun. And now today we have a a pretty big topic. I mean, I, it's huge, of course, for all of us, but for Pastor Dave, I think it probably especially rings uh, very, very important. And uh, Dave, why don't you explain it and dive in? And then in the second half, we'll have a little bit of fun. We're going to test the pastor. So, uh, But let's get into the big topic first. Go all ahead. right. So this topic today, it comes from uh, the local newspaper here, the local rag, excuse me, the Minneapolis Star and Tribune. And so... Sure. The, this is on their Sunday opinion exchange section. So actually, I read this article on Saturday night, and I was so struck by it that uh, when I went to my parents' house on Sunday, uh, I, I know they subscribe to the, uh, you know, to the broadsheet. And so I said, I, can I please, please have this? And it was because one of the things I was struck by uh, when I read it online was it, I, kept, I was scrolling, so it just kept scrolling and scrolling. Scroll. Yes. I was just shocked. I was like, is this going to continue? I couldn't believe how long it was. And when I got the uh, actual opinion exchange section, this is front, you know, above the fold is the picture with the headline. And then it, so it basically gets two thirds with the picture of the front page and then half of the very back page, this opinion article. For those of you listening at home, Pastor Dave is holding the actual broadsheet. I see notes on it. He sent me the article. I was struck by the same thing that this is a very long opinion piece oh, in, a, so in a major newspaper. Well, is any newspaper major anymore? I mean, I besides know. like the New York Times and Washington, Washington Post, Post and Wall Street Journal, probably not. But this is our local, you know, this is our local uh, paper of record. Yeah, and, it, it is subsumed all other local papers into the Borg, right? It's the paper it's it. for Minneapolis. Yeah, it is. It is and St. Paul. Sorry. Sorry, St. Paul. I didn't mean to say they have that. The, uh, do they still have the Pioneer Press? I mean, the Pioneer Press has really... Do it's, they still have the Pioneer it, Press? The whole paper might be as long as the opinion section. Oh, I mean, seriously, it's I'm like really sorry, Pioneer five Press pages people, because I probably know pages. people who write that. But what am I going to do? Uh, all right, so so anyways, what is this? Must be something of huge import oh, to God, take this many words. This got, must be four or five thousand words. For yeah, those this of is you who are writers and yeah. All right, so it got stuck in my craw when I read it, and so the the, the headline, bold headline. So good job, headline writer. Mm-hmm. Uh, what churches get wrong, and then parenthetically. And how to repopulate them. Wow. This is, uh, well, that's big news. It is. What is the church getting wrong? What church is? Churches. So not the church, not the church. Churches, what they get wrong. wrong. And how to repopulate them. And so he says, you know, here's the problem, but... He has the solution. He's got a solution in there. Well, you would, this would, of course, ring with you as a church planter. I'm a, you know, and a pastor, like, I want, you know, I want to repopulate them. I want to, I want to populate my church. You know, that's, uh, that, that's one of the main, one of my main goals. Get, get folks in there, you know? Right. And so this gentleman, his name's Ron Way. Uh, He's a writer. He lives in Edina. Um, We did just a tiny bit of research on him. He's a journalist uh, who actually did write at one point in his career for the Star Tribune. Yes. Um, you wouldn't know that from reading this in terms of you would think this person was unfamiliar with um, writing in the English language <laughs> beyond yeah, sort of I, a... I mean, I, it is... If papers are supposed to be... If USA Today is at an eighth grade level, I think he's... Flesh Kincaid scale, he's a solid seven and a half. 
I wouldn't go that far. And, uh, you know, we're not trying to be, this is not a this ad hominem. This, this is not snark. snark. This is, I, it is one of, wow, can I say it? Say Dare it. Dare I say it? Say it. Well, look, we have to tell the truth. It's one of the worst written things I have ever read. It's so I mean, bad. It's so bad. And I'm sorry, Mr. What's his name? Way? Way. Wrong because way. There's a way someone could have written something similar to this. There's and a way. <laughs> but it's not a wrong way. It's not way. a wrong way. He took a wrong way turn on this <laughs> oh. one. Oh. Yeah. So All someone right. could have written a version of this that was good. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> but unfortunately, it was not this person. And this is not ad hominem. This is just, you know, this is just bad. So... All right, so there's let's, no... let's break it down. Okay, so but okay, what's wrong and how to how to repopulate? It? And what, I think what they the reason wrong. that you want to do this is because this is not because we're trying to pick on this one article in the Minneapolis Star Tribune. This is because this is sort of a universal. He's reflecting universal thoughts. I'm absolutely. assuming. Oh, yes. absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. So no. That's, so these that's are why these are things that these are you know these are in the air. Right these now. are in the air. I mean, obviously, he got such a prominent placement in the Sunday Star Tribune. So this is in the air. This is yeah. in the air enough it's that not they thought, idiosyncratic. It's it wasn't like, oh, what churches get wrong? Like, they don't, you know, they don't worship the, you know, the reptile. Cre- like, it's not like that out there that it's like, <laughs> no. whoa, why would they put that in? Like, no, this, is, this is, you know. mainstream thought. This is mainstream thought. So, um, and so he kind of starts out by saying, you know, I grew up, and he, he, he I think, is kind of a pre-boomer. Um, uh, and so, you know, when I was growing up, church was at the center of life. And, and he's reflecting on the Star Tribune has been doing this series called Test of Faith, which is talking about the decline of um, religious practice, you know, in Minnesota. The, I only have read one of the um, one of the pieces, and it was really about the decline of the church in rural uh, communities. And it's in, it's interesting. It's a really good series. I'm glad the Strib is doing it. Um, but he's saying, you know, so all these reasons get given of why you know why the church um, is is in decline. And so he says, you know, yeah, people are busy, tuned out millennials, you know, yada yada yada, distractions, smartphones. But he says, no, 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 no. That's not the real problem is this, he says, the church broadly has been hijacked by TV scammers, narrow interest evangelicals, and unending sex scandals. Two, the church, that was a really interesting way to start a sentence. So period. Two, comma, and has failed to remain, uh, oh, two, the church has largely stuck with Sunday school scripture by anecdote and has failed to remain relevant to society's altered priorities. Frankly, the institutional church has itself to blame. In a period of social divide and gathering doubt, it's a bit puzzling why so many mainline churches seem mired in orthodoxy and creedal dogma that take us on Sunday morning jaunts through antiquity before sending us out into today. So that's his basic, I feel like those two paragraphs capture kind of his basic thesis. So I want to I want to kind of just, just tease this apart and, and offer my reflections on this. So uh, I, I would say... Um, the the one of the uh, really true things that I think he gets in there is that yes the sex scandal particularly um, in the Roman Catholic Church that I I mean I think it's inarguable it's had to have had some you know severe measurable effect particularly on Roman Catholic you know participation oh of course in but- the church. You but, know, but fuel for anyone with an excuse. Oh yeah, I mean, because it's you know we're it's awful, awful, awful. It's horrible. We're all Christians. It does not. So I'm not one who goes. Well, it's th- that's their problem. Uh, you know, as a as a fellow Christian, like that is my problem too, um, because it's horrible for those children and people impacted by it. Um, and you know, it 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 redounds upon all of Christianity because yeah. I they I'm related to them, and so that is you know 
we're all, you know, for folks who go like, hey, you're all the same, you know, you're all hypocrites yep. or, you know, abusers and, and protecting the abuser instead of the caring for the abuse. So it that is a, a scandal, a blight, a horrible thing, and undeniable that that has had a, a deleterious, a negative impact on folks' belief and their participation in the church for sure. Yeah, there's no, that is, yeah, inarguable. Let's move beyond that. And actually, let's try to... I don't even understand what the other thing was. So it was has uh, been hijacked by TV scammers, which this is this is TV like TV scammers is such an old. This is 1970, <laughs> 1980s. The 80s. This is the yeah. 80s. Uh, this man. That's why he writes like he honestly writes his articles if he has not experienced the world in in a couple of in a few decades. Yeah, because yeah, I was uh, I'm barely cognizant of. You know, um, uh, Jim and Tammy Faye Baker, and uh, you know, uh, whoever the other guy was, like Oral Roberts, yeah, Lord, forgive me, I have sinned. The guy who cried, who was that? I don't know, I didn't, Jimmy Swaggart, maybe. Oh, Jimmy Swaggart, Jimmy Swaggart. So, this phenomena, Jerry, even Jerry Falwell, like I knew who he was, but he wasn't on TV televangelism. Um, was was very passe. Yeah, uh, this is not a thing anymore. But this he lists this as one of the alongside the sex scandal in the Catholic Church, and then narrow interest uh, evangelicals. He says so narrow interest evangelicals, which is a, just that's a curious turn of phrase. Probably just meaning you know these folks are obsessed with like uh, you know same sex marriage or relationships and abortion. You know that's like a narrow interest evangelical, which but. It, <laughs> Quite a pejorative. It's for very those pejorative and <laughs> large I mean, issues. And, and, and yeah, and evangelical Christian. When we look at uh, so that what the churches get wrong, and certainly um, self identification as a Christian um, is on the decline in this country. The you know one of the fastest rising, maybe the fastest rising religious identification is the nun. You know that's the rise of the nuns. Um, but what's interesting in the research that I've seen is that basically in terms of a percentage of the population. Um, uh, those who self-identify or get identified in the in the research as evangelicals, they've basically maintained their percentage of the population. So they're growing at about the same rate as the population. So they haven't declined. Yeah. Where you see the hugest, most massive declines um, in in uh, religious affiliation are in mainline. In the mainline. In the mainline. Right. And I'm a I'm a I'm a product. Of the mainline, my ordination is in in the Peace USA. I am a uh, um, I am a mainline Protestant. That's right. Right. That's right where I come from. So um, I feel like I have a very I've had a front row seat um, yeah. to the struggles of of the mainline. The mainline has declined. Um, you know, since it peaked everywhere in the late 1960s, I think about 1967, where my own denomination peaked, and then um, had its just it's been declining since then, and it's you know even has lost since its reunion in the early 1980s, Northern and Southern Church, about half, probably half of its membership has gone mm-hmm. away, if not more than that. So, yes, yes, there is a massive decline within mainline Protestantism. Those are the churches that are really emptying out. And um, so he says that, okay, the, and so the churches, are pews are empty. So none of the mainline, so when you talk about TV scammers, narrow interest evangelicals, and sex scandal, none of those really have have much to do with anything about mainline Protestantism right. in this country. And I guess we should stop and define terms, right? Yeah, yeah. Mainline. What The mainline is basically the historic major Protestant denominations in this country from the from its founding to like the, 
19th century, so we're talking mid-19th century, so we're talking about Presbyterians, uh, Episcopalians, Mm -hmm. Lutherans, uh, Methodists, um, American Baptist Church, that would be that branch of it, not the Southern Baptist Church, but American Baptist, uh, Disciples of Christ, um, and uh, I feel like I'm missing a, a couple. Seventh-day Adventists? No, Seventh-day Adventists are not mainline. <laughs> uh, so there's seven, there's, uh, broadly speaking, there's like seven, um, yeah, Presbyterians, Lutherans, I think Methodists, yeah. Yeah. American Baptists, the Episcopal Church, Episcopalians, uh, the Evangelical Lutheran Church of America, dis- dis- Disciples of Christ. I think that's, those are like the seven sisters of the mainline. So right. those are the established yes. Protestant traditions over the last, you know, 150 plus years in this country that used to dominate, um, dominate, you know, religious participation in this country. Every, so, every medium-sized town would have a representative church of one of these denominations for the most part. So these, throughout. yes. Yeah. And so these denominations, um, none of them have been touched by, there's no televangelists in, coming from these groups. No narrow, you know, narrow interests, evangelicals, though, um, historically there's been sort of a left and right wing in all of these denominations. That's, mm-hmm going away more and more as as everything sort of there's an ideological sorting and purifying of every tradition and politics and and religion too but uh and then unending sex scandal none of these have directly touched the protestant mainline but yet these are the ones that are declining so rapidly so he must be addressing okay well what does the mainline protestantism get wrong how can we re you know how can we reestablish or refuel or repopulate mainline churches and then he says the institutional church has itself to blame. And so many mainline churches seem mired in orthodoxy and creedal dogma that take us on Sunday morning jaunts through antiquity before sending us out and into today. And I just have to say, this man, has has he ever been to a mainline <laughs> Protestant church? This is so wrong. This is 180 degrees. <laughs> Explain why. I, 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 so I went to a mainline seminary. I went to Princeton Theological Seminary, you know, the flagship seminary of the Presbyterian Church, you know, as mainline as you can get. Yeah. And there is no, <laughs> there, there is not a mired in orthodoxy. There is a, you know, a, a, like, large desire, I would say, to move beyond what has been historic Protestant orthodoxy in yeah. a lot of ways. I mean, you saw that in the early 20th century, the fundamentalist modernist split, there was a lot of energy around, oh, God, you know, like these fu- quote-unquote fundamentals of the Christian faith, you know, the divinity of Jesus, the virgin birth. Oh, we can't believe in this stuff anymore because, you know, we have science. So, that, like, let's move on from from these right. orthodox, you know, from these creedal orthodoxies. Um you know, I would say that there's been a demythologizing of creedal orthodoxy that has been the predominant mood in mainline Protestantism and a moving, you know, embracing um, liberal uh, theology, not in, like, when I say liberal, I don't mean, you know, American political categories, yeah, but this right. is goes back to Friedrich Schleiermacher in Germany in the early 1800s. This is the turn to the subjective, you know, you cannot find objective truth in religion, it's not accessible to us, and so what it is, is it's a kind of a subjective appropriation, um, which gets translated into existential categories, basically. Man, all that subjectivism, all those Germans, what was going on there, man? You just couldn't grasp onto anything. There was no bedrock. For no, any there German. wasn't. Yeah. So, <laughs> so you know, American Protestantism, mainline Protestantism, largely embraced uh, in many, many ways, or there was a battle and a large section of it embraced, you know, the liberal theological uh, 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 
project, the turn to the subjective. And I'd say that has, you know, that has won. There was this famous sermon preached by uh, Harry Emerson Fosdick, who was the pastor of the uh, Riverside Church in New York, and, and this was in the early 20th century, said, shall the fundamentalists win? And so it was like this battle between fundamentalism and liberalism. Um, and, you know, I think within the main line, basically, liberalism, liberal theology, and then in a lot of ways, you know, liberal um, a liberal political stance on most issues has won the day. It's totally and completely like one. You look at any statements that come out of the official offices of these mainline denominations, you know, these are very, you know, these are what the, you know, correct opinions of left, you know, left leaning, left thinking Americans yeah. in this country. And that, that I'm not, I'm just stating a fact. Right. You know, right. Right. Yeah. And and I think especially in, we should point out as well, people who aren't from here or whatever don't know, Minneapolis, all the churches, for the most part, are certainly embrace the liberal theology more than the, I mean, the, I, I think the conservative churches are, are much a smaller representation in Minneapolis. Oh, probably in the city proper in itself. In the city, yes, yes, in the city. So it's, so just to say that this, so he's saying, well, why are the churches, you know, de depopulated it's a obsession with creedal orthodoxy on behalf of mainline protestantism this is just flatly false that's just so 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 wrong it's yeah it's it's so off base and i think that you know um i've been a part of these discussions where folks say well if we you know the problem is that our we haven't abandoned enough of our, you know, so-called creedal orthodoxy, right. you know, that because the church is, the church is irrelevant, you know, we need to be up to date. And so his basic solution is, yeah, the church, so his supposition that, you know, these other things are bad and mainline churches are obsessed with creedal orthodoxy. I mean, it's just that bracket off that first part, the mainline church is obsessed with creedal orthodoxy is just wrong. But his solution is to continue doing more of what mainline, uh, denominations and churches have already done. So basically his his thing is the church is irrelevant because it doesn't speak into the political issues of our day. You know, we just basically do little scriptural readings and anecdotes. Ah, if only. And I have to say, I you know, I at Princeton Center and I've been to I've you know, I've been to plenty of mainline church services. They're really about almost always exclusively about what's happening in the headlines. Yeah. You know, and there is a, you know, he named some churches at the end of this locally that are, you know, uh, pretty large or seem, you know, pretty healthy and vibrant. And so there are examples of vibrant churches where it's basically like, okay, let's take the headlines, let's take our political, you know, uh, slant or perspective and brings, you know, filter scripture through that. And they're mm-hmm. successful at doing that. Um, but by and large, the main line has floundered taking this approach. Uh, 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 and and so his solution is just I to me it seems like though he proposed it as something novel it's just doubling down on what's already happened right it's doubling down on what on what I see as a uh, has what has been a a losing bet if we're just honest and you know he I think that one could say listen this is the approach I think this is the right thing to do whether or not it's successful I'm going to stick to my guns because this is what being a faithful Christian in today and in 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 the world today looks like I have no, uh, like I respect that position. Someone saying, this is what I believe is right. So this is what I'm going to do regardless of whether it grows my church or not. Yeah. But for him as like a church growth to, for him to offer this as his like consultant, you know, his church growth consultant do this and people will be like, Oh, Christianity is relevant and I'm going to come back to church. 
it's just false. It's manifestly false on its face. So don't don't um, disrespect my intelligence so much to distort history and then tell me that just doing more of what's already been happening is going to reverse the trend of what's been happening for the last, I mean, since 1967, that's what, is that 51 years ago? Right. What's been happening for the last half century in this country. And, you know, package that to me as like this novel growth strategy. It's not true. It's not going to happen. And packaged within this, oh my gosh, mainline churches too often take the Bible wildly out of context, spread misinformation. Wait, what? Yeah. Those are pretty slanderous charges. It is. And I mean, this is mainline churches. <laughs> mainline churches. And insist the Bible was divinely inspired. As more people peeked behind the curtain as I did, they see a church tied to ancient myth while missing the larger messages for today. So... I, I think basically he's just taking his experience growing up in a Methodist church in rural Minnesota in the 1950s and projecting that on to Well, clearly today. he's doing that. Because if you look at the United Methodist Church, it, I would not describe, I mean, I'm, there's a variety of, you know, probably most of them are kind of middle, you know, many of them would just be sort of middle of the road or, you know, uh, but there's yeah. plenty of like, you know, progressive Methodist churches or whatever. I would not say that like they take the, you know, they take the Bible wildly out of context. It's just, it, it rings so false. But then he's like, yeah, they're teaching all this garbage. And then he says in this paragraph, he says, so in a discussion with a devoutly religious friend, I said Jesus should re-energize his flock to step up their work for the poor and dispossessed and against evil. Amen. Absolutely. Everything I knew, uh, everything I knew was that Jesus was a wandering Jew who challenged the ruling Romans and colluding Jewish leadership. And likely a guerrilla warrior from the Galilean land of zealots who raided and killed the ra- raided and killed the hated Romans. I, I read that sentence three times. I was like, "Wait, who's saying this? He's that everything that he knew about it." I've not, the- <laughs> but then he, then the next sentence is even more confusing. What does he say after that? Uh, then he says something about himself. But then I studied deeper or something. I don't know. He's- I, it's so confusing. Oh, yeah. Well, he says, like, I flippantly added that conservative evangelists, which is a maybe surprised to know that Jesus was a radical social activist and community organizer. Oh, hey. that's it. That's okay. <laughs> so, you know, uh, but this is not, again, this is not like old, uh, this is not like old information or, or this isn't a new perspective. You know, this is, this is things you hear a lot. Taking exception, my friend challenged me, you know, read, read the Bible. So I did over several years. Um, and talked it over with another friend of his minister. And from that, it seemed clear. The New Testament authors, Jews, who wrote many decades after Jesus died, those Jews, you know, I mean, wow. I've read that as like, oh, God, oh, yeah, okay, Jews writing many decades after Jesus died, devised the spiritual Jesus to fulfill Old Testament, parenthetical, Jewish prophecy. What? <laughs> wow. So there's all Ooh, sorts boy. of stuff going on in there. And certainly, you know, early Christianity, you know, was a uh, closely related, of course, to Second Temple Judaism. And so, but just to go like, those Jews were making up their Jew stuff. Yeah, that's uh, a little cringeworthy. Very, extremely cringeworthy. I, I, it's just a, it's a parade of, of horribles and misinformation and disinformation. It's almost as if, it's almost as if the man doesn't know what he's talking about. In fact, it is. He's wrong on the history of Christianity, on theology, on mainline Protestantism. I would argue on conservative Protestantism. Like, this is just wrong, 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 wrong. And this is comes from a man who I think would consider himself educated and an authoritative enough to write 
this dreck and get it published in the Star Tribune. Yeah, I'm not applying this pejorative, but remember the famous line from uh, Animal House. Son, fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not applying that to this man. I'm just saying being both a pretty bad writer, being wrong on the facts, and then reaching the wrong conclusions is no way to go through life. Um, it's like so. he confused mainline Protestantism with like conservative Christianity or, or evangelical Protestantism. It's like he... His wires got crossed somewhere, yeah, and it just threw just, everything off. Yeah, un- unfortunately. Can I raise my hand timidly from the back of the row yeah. and ask a question of all of people like him? And I'm not, again, when you say like him, like, look, we're, we can talk in broad generalizations without worry of offense or anything. But uh, when you start to get so, when you start to toss all of the orthodoxy out, here's my question. Why in the world would you ever go to church? I mean, I love going to church. You're a great pastor. I have many good friends there. I have relationships that I've built. But if I didn't believe anything, I would just go bowling. I honestly, because I would meet plenty of great people at bowling. But I wouldn't, you know what I mean? Like, I don't understand tossing out the things that make you go to church and then going, well, now to get people back into church... We need to toss more stuff out that people still cling to. I just don't understand the impulse from a consumer point of view. Could you explain that to me? What is the experience of church when you don't... Like, as a little kid, you're sitting in your scratchy collar going to... You know, sitting on a hard pew going, why am I here? And then you understand. So that, that's my challenge to people who don't believe any of the orthodoxy. Why do you go? Well, here's... I think this is Ron Way's answer straight from the article. He says... So is it even important that churches are closing and their flocks dissipating? And what may be done to turn things around? Well, I'm not so churchy. I share concern about the church's decline. Churches are beautiful places where one may reflect, contemplate, and sing the old favorites. Churches are where misdeeds may be reconciled, a refuge from demons that plague, and sanctuaries for those desperately needing protection from foul forces much bigger than day. Churches are needed, as are their ministers and priests, to help salve human hurt and provide moral guideposts for living. Something especially needed when ideological divide is straining America's democratic experiment. But that's what's at issue. That's what we're talking about. <laughs> and then he says that it doesn't, none of the orthodoxy matters. Like, I don't, what does that paragraph mean? I don't know. It's, that is the worst platitude. That's like a, worse than a greeting card. I now hate him 10 <laughs> times more since you read that paragraph. That's the worst. It's, I, I mean, it's, what yeah. What is that garbage? We need them because of blah, 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 blah. You're just saying garbage. What are you talking about? Where does the rubber meet the road? What is orthodoxy? How can you salve hurts when you don't have any tools in your toolbox? Again, bowling salves hurts. I can go to bowl and I feel better when I'm done bowling. What is the point? Especially if you pick up that 710 split. I mean, the rare, very rare 710 split. <laughs> have you ever done it? So that, <laughs> that there is... No, I've never done it. Never. I did, but, I did one. Oh, wow. But the, so it's there's a... It, he's saying, man, there is this deep... <laughs> all these things that Christianity offers. I mean... Forgiveness, reconciliation, sacred space, you yeah. know, uh, the, the cure of souls that ministers offer. We need those things, but just evacuate them of any theological content, right. and we can't offer them anymore. It, it, it's so bizarre. Like that, that, that is just garbage. It is. And, and this is not—I think that it, this isn't even representative of, like, a—of 
like a liberal theology or how one would articulate that in a way that's even, even this is not even coherent from that. It's coming from like a, it's like a space alien trying to under, like it does, it doesn't make any right. sense. There are arguments people do. There are obviously much more intelligently written and better articulated versions of the liberal theology view. Yeah. That project, you know, saying that, this is, yes, yeah, obviously there yes. are volumes written, but this guy has no ability to distill any of those arguments or present them to us so that we can take them at their face value. No, <laughs> this is so bad. Oh, you could hear my, my anger was, <laughs> it was ri- rising. I, it was Henry turning the fifth. I was not angry until I came to France. And then I read that paragraph and now I'm angry. <laughs> Wow, that's, that's. I just it got my dander up too, Mike. I I read it and I just couldn't believe. I just couldn't believe. It. So we'll link to it in the show notes. You can read it in the put opinion. Put it out there. Stage. These are his arguments. We're taking them on. So no, no... that's a beautiful thing. You publish, yeah. you invite response. Exactly. And this, this is, is bad. Not... And when something's bad, the it's it's not loving to say something's good that's bad. Right. You know. Right. And this is not ad hominem because we don't know the guy. No, so I mean we... he might be a nice guy. I'm sure he's a wonderful gentleman. I'm not sure. I'm not sure of that either. He might be. He might, he, he might have, be horrible. He might we just be a bad. Have no tipper. knowledge of it. Right. Exactly. exactly. So, yeah. make better art. Ma- ma- write better. There's think a, better. There's got to be a better version of this than that. That that's just. Uh, uh, and if you want to read bad prose, please read his article. I mean, just turgid. It's not prose, but just bad. And it's just empty. It's water. It's sand through the fingertips. It's just. It's and uh, in the words of Anakin Skywalker, I hate sand. <laughs> I hate sand. I hate sand. Oh, Dave, hold me like you did by the lake on Naboo, and then let's go. <laughs> let's go to a break, and we'll be back to insult Ron Way more. Hey everyone, Pastor Dave here for my appeal. Unless you are a Ron Way himself or a relative or friend of his, please don't rate and review this episode. Uh, but if you like what you heard, please, could you go to Apple Podcasts? Could you go to wherever you get this podcast and give us a rating and a review? Uh, we love those. Those are fantastic. Also, you can find us on the internet. Uh, our Facebook page, you can like it. You can go to um, at LTWPod on Twitter or at David underscore Berge. And of course, there's LTWPod.com for all of your old episodes that you can find them. So thank you. Rate, review, refer, refresh. Those are the four R's. I, we used to have three. Now there's a fourth R. Refresh your feed because you never know if there's going to be part of the episode missing. The data is corrupted and we need to refresh it. So um no, thank you, everyone. Hey, for- this is Michael J. Nelson <laughs> in a rare, rare moment of jumping on in the pastor's appeal. Look, that was a once-in-a-lifetime thing. I apologize for you who got a partial We're like, what happened I take to the- full responsibility. Everyone, I was surprised as you were when I was listening to our note. Because, you know, I like to listen to the episode. I don't know what I said. And I'm just here. Silence. I thought my headphones were broken. I was like, I, I was going to return them to the store. So, Okay. All right. <laughs> I think we get the point. All right. <laughs> okay, okay. All right. So yes, uh, let's get back to let's get back to the show. And we're back. So we are back with our final department, and this is going to be a flashback show. Even though it's our third season, almost near the end of our third season, actually. Whoops. Uh, we're getting back to. Wait, what was that? Whoops! For? I hit the. Oh, that was that was actually That's sort of musical. Sound, yeah. That was a little stomp action there. 
Oh, I, I went to see Stomp when like, we went there on a oh. field trip. It was awesome. Did you think it was awesome? I thought it was so cool. And, oh, man, they did this cool thing with like matchbooks. Oh, it was like the coolest thing I've ever seen. I was there, you know, at the height of Stomp when it was hard to get tickets, mm-hmm. you know, like the Hamilton fervor <laughs> level of getting tickets for it. Yeah. Like Hamilton four years ago, whatever. And uh, I went to it and, and I fell asleep. At I fell asleep at Stomp and, and had no problem just sleeping through the whole thing. And when I woke up, I was glad it was over. No, I love Stomp. <laughs> Bring Stomp back. Like, why is it uh, Stomp revival? Is Stomp, I'm sure Stomp's got to be playing still. I want to bring Stomp back. I'm sure it is. Stomp and, was and they so were like cool. Australian dudes with big shoes, right? That was the yeah, premise. Combat, but, you know, just brushing your clothes. Yeah, I don't like that. Stop doing that. <laughs> I'm doing my <laughs> own Stomp, private Stomp for Mike. All right, look, Dave, we made it through the summer, right? We did. We barely. talked about Ron Way, which pretty much ruined both of our summers. I'm kidding. We keep saying the name and doing this. This is not, this is not an ad hominem. Ron We're is, just joking. He's a total jerk and an idiot, but it's not ad hominem. He's, no, it, no. That's just the way he is. What are we supposed to do about The it? Ron Way he is. You know? You know, of course, that we're kidding about this. And so, to prove that, what we're going to do is we've made it through the summer, and this was a lovely summer. Keep hitting your microphone <laughs> with that glass, please. Stomp wise. Oh, yeah. Wait, hang on. Oh, I just spilled a little cappuccino. But it was on my pants, not on your, <laughs> not on your carpet. <laughs> you looked at me with such alarm. <laughs> All right, let's stomp it up. What do you got? <clears throat> oh, Mike's, uh, yep, uh, Mike's stomping uh, here. Oh, he's rubbing his beard. Hit that coffee cup against the thing. Oh, stomp. All right, give me give me four hundred dollars. All right. All right, here we go. This is your oh, the, the premise of, the thin premise, the thin tissue of premise here premise here is. It is fall now. It's fall. We are officially into fall. And I wanted to know, Pastor, how much do you know about fall? Did we did, we didn't often. do this quiz already, did we? <laughs> Who cares if we did? Remember, no, we did, didn't we, we did. do a seasonal quiz before? We did a seasonal quiz. This is a different one. Okay. All right. I trust you. I mean, Who cares if it was we've done like one? how many 70-some episodes? 70. This is our 73rd episode? If you recognize this quiz 71st. in the middle of it, I would be even more proud. Then it would make me even prouder. But I don't think we've ever done this okay. quiz before. I trust you. What word was commonly used before the 16th century to refer to the autumn season? Um, I believe that would be fall. They called it the fall. All right. Well, we're going to check that. This, I, I think. Oh, this is it one of the ones they score at the right end? All at the end. Okay. That's not good for a podcast. <laughs> I can give you the uh, multiple choice. By the way, just ask me if you want it. Oh, Otherwise, I, you're. I, Let's not forget the multiple choice. I okay, fine. All right, I like this. That's. I'm sure they didn't call it the fall. Like, um, Marzanalia. That's what they call it. You could have other choices. Or you just want to go. No, go, I want multiple choices now. I changed my. You mind. do want multiple. I, I changed were, my mind. I thought you were going total baller on this. Nope. Fall harvest crop reap reap got to be reap. Wait a minute. You were so sure of fall. Isn't fall what we now? I use? thought fall. I thought it was a joke. Like no way you'd call it fall. It's got to be reap. All right. Okay. You reap what you sow. There's not many questions here, oh, so and I, people are worried about the. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't another classical music. <laughs> no quiz. 
What English romantic poet wrote the poem To Autumn, which describes the season as a time of mellow fruitfulness, but also evokes a sense of melancholy? Mm-hmm. Do you want to... Yes, I want multiple choice. Paul Verlaine, that famous poet. John Byron, John Keats, William Wordsworth. And this is a romantic poet? An English romantic poet. Keats. All right. Question three. In the Northern Hemisphere, autumn begins in September. When does it begin in the Southern Hemisphere? David Berge. In September. Uh, So it begins here in September, the ninth month. Let's say it begins in March. He buzzes in with March. All right. Question number four. Just adding six months. What term refers to the full moon closest to the autumnal equinox? The harvest moon. Right? On this harvest moon. Do you know that song by uh, Neil Young? No. I do a great Neil Young impression. You know <laughs> uh, do you want to hear it? Yeah, I would love to. Or I don't. On this harvest moon. That was about it. I also can do, old man, look at my life. I'm a lot like you were. It's pretty good, right? That's very good. All right. Question number five. <laughs> He's just staring at me. Why are you doing this? In what autumn movie can you see Richard Gere and Winona Ryder walking through a beautiful fall foliage? Foliage. No, it's not foliage. <laughs> How dare you? Is it a mute point for you? It's as a mute well? point. All right. uh, no, I, I'm going to need multiple choice on this. All right. I got them for you. They all begin with autumn. Autumn song, autumn in New York, autumn sonata, autumn leaves. Autumn Leaves. Okay. What English novelist and poet, best known for her book, Wuthering Heights, wrote a poem containing the verses, Every leaf speaks bliss to me, fluttering from the autumn tree. Charlotte Bronte? Emily Bronte? Charlotte? Why why, why don't you listen to the choice? (laughs) Can you give me the multiple choice? George Eliot? No. Anne Bronte? Emily Bronte. <clears throat> Emily. It's got to be Emily. Jane Austen. Emily. Emily. You going with Emily? All right. Yeah, it's got to be Emily. Which of these birds? Dave, how are you? I'm How good. are you holding up? I'm You feeling good? Yes. Let's do that middle thing where we interview you after the commercial break and like, so Dave, I hear you're interested in dominoes and you collect your own uh, ebony dominoes from uh, with Chinese lacquered boxes. Is that right? Yeah, I, you know, I took it up as a hobby. I was... <laughs> what a hobby. All right, <laughs> let's get back to the game. Which of these birds do not migrate in autumn? Hummingbirds, storks, swallows, ravens. Mm, ravens don't. Ravens. Hence the quote, nevermore. Ravens. Do you know I met the uh, and spent an hour with the Raven Master at the Tower of London just this year? <laughs> I did not know that. Yeah, maybe that can be a department. That's a great... <laughs> is it worth department worthy? <laughs> I think so. It's pretty funny. So, folks, if we forget, remind us. We want to hear about the Raven Master. I spent an hour with the Raven Master at the Tower of London. And in the Tower of London. Not just at a he's bar. He's a master of ravens? He, he's the Raven Master at the Tower. Like, he he controls the ravens. How do you so, control ravens? Well, well oh, isn't that right, part of the story, isn't yeah. it? Yes. All right. What famous TV character spoke the words, there is a time of year in New York when, even before the first leaf falls, you can feel the seasons click, the air is crisp, the summer is gone, and for the first night in a long time, you need a blanket in your bed. 
Why is that a noteworthy thing to the, say? I, yeah, what is that for? This is from a TV show? <laughs> yes, yeah, so, ah, now I understand why it okay. is not a noteworthy thing to say. Carrie Bradshaw, Sex in the City, Rachel Green of Friends, Susan Meyer of Desperate Housewives, Marissa Cooper, The O.C.? The O.C. is in, that's in that's Orange, Orange County. County. Uh, it has to be Carrie Bradshaw, which... That show is Why so... Why is that a notable line? There is a time of year She's in like New tapping York, on her computer. The, you fe- feel the seasons click? The air is crisp this summer? I didn't know why Mr. Big was... <laughs> oh, God. Glad I never saw a second of that. Anyway, oh, that show. It's so bad. We should know a whole department on how bad that show is. <laughs> All right. We have two departments. If, if we forget, remind that us. That might be the worst. Like, the, the show that will age the poorest, most poorly from that era has got to be Sex in the City. Okay. Question eight, and then we're almost done. The great Kim Cattrall. Oh, question nine. Sorry, sorry, okay. sorry. Brightly colored f- foliage <laughs> yes. is a moot point in the... No. Is, <laughs> is the image most commonly associated with autumn? What region in the U.S. is a popular leaf-peeping tourist destination? Well, there, well there's many of these. Yeah. All right, but All right. I'll read them to you, and then you can make okay. your choice. New England... Sonoma Valley. No. Great Plains. Great Lakes. That is, I mean, I'm sure it's New England, but the Great Lakes have amazing foliage. Yeah, the I, in Great fact, Lakes I'm have, just going to go yeah. up next week and I'm going to be looking at foliage. It's leaf peeping all the time oh, up yeah. there. What do we? All people do is peep leaves. I know. <laughs> well, so what, what do you, you want to say? What do you, for the I'll perp- say New England, but oh, you going up north this weekend? Yeah, going to do a little leaf peeping. Yeah. <laughs> you went into uh, Jay Leno again. Yeah. Yeah, little leaf peeping. What is the name of the popular harvest festival celebrated in China close to the autumnal equinox? Mm. I don't know. Could you give me choice? Sun Festival, Moon Festival. They like that word moon over there, I think. Uh, Dragon Festival, Lantern Festival. I'm going to go Lantern Festival. All right. Here we go. We're submitting the answers, ladies and gentlemen. Computer. Should I report errors? It will not interfere with my quiz. Is there anything you thought was wrong? No. Okay, no. here we go. Let's see what well, I did, did think the I did think the leaf peeping question was a little... Yeah, that was lame. All right. Uh, Reap was incorrect. It was Harvest. Mm. Keats was correct. Mm-hmm. March was correct. Yes. Harvest Moon was correct. Oh, yes. Um, Autumn in New York was the movie. Yes. It was a 2000 American romantic drama. What did I say? Uh, it was nominated for a Razzie. Your answer was Autumn Leaves. It oh. was Autumn in New York. To be nominated is... To... You picked the correct Bronte sister. Nice. Yes. Um, you picked the correct Ravens. You picked the correct Sex in the City character. Yeah. You picked the correct uh, place of England that is called the New England. And the Lantern Festival is incorrect. I, I tipped you off. It was Moon. the Moon Festival. I feel like that was too obvious. All right, so I'm going to rate this quiz. How do you rate this quiz? I'd give it like a five. Are you going to give it a five out of five? Oh, oh no, I thought it was on a ten-point scale. Oh, okay. So I'll, give it give it I'll give it a two. I'll give it a two. All right, we're rating it. You uh, you did pretty good. 36% of members got it right. Wait, I'm trying to see how you compared to yeah, others. Yeah, what's my... Oh, it only goes question by question. 73 got that one right. 63, 76. So, yeah, you're you're... You're average or below. (laughs) As in most areas of life. You're garbage. All right. Well, there it is, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Wow. You know, I bet Ron Way would have done really good on that (laughs) quiz. 
Ron, call us up, uh, and uh, we'll put you on the quiz right now and see how you do on that. No, serious things to talk about, unserious things to talk about. We thank you for joining us here. Dave, any last words? Because I'm going to slide over to the machine and stop it. Why don't you sign us out? And I will just sign off right now as Michael J. Nelson, and thank you for joining us. And Dave will do the rest of the work right now. Yeah, everyone, thank you so much for listening. Wow, what a great episode it's been. Remember, we talked about that article in the Star Tribune, the Opinion Exchange, and then we had a quiz and an appeal was in there, and it was just a complete episode. It felt it felt full, full as a harvest moon. All right, end it. <laughs> I, I was waiting for you to click play on the music, my gosh. No, there's no music, just end it. Oh, okay, well, thanks for listening, bye. I must sound awful.